Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with J.J. Cooper, I'm John Manuel. Welcoming uh, us back to a regular season, J.J., not just a college podcast. Uh, I took a week off from a professional podcast. Actually, I think two weeks off. Welcome back. And uh, I just couldn't stay couldn't, away from yeah, the podcast chair. couldn't stay away chair. for too long. No, I really couldn't, uh, especially since this podcast room has no windows and is about 15 degrees cooler than my yes. office, which really needs some uh, – if anybody wants to donate some nice thick curtains – to Baseball America, send them in to us, 4319 South Austin <laughs> Avenue in Durham. and Sweet uh, 103, we'll, uh, I believe. I think they'll figure it out. Yes. We're right next to Intech, not Inatech, but Intech, in and Tarek, two businesses that uh, I still don't know what they do. Uh, one place is a, co- a copier graveyard. Yeah. I'm not sure what Intech does. I kind of think of it as we have our own little Dunder Mifflin right down there. We we sort of do, and then we also have our own Inatech or Inatrode right down the street as well. So Office Space office was on this morning again. Office Space, for, you know, back-to-back uh, references. That's nice. That's 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 not hard. That's not easy for us to do. Uh, Actually, that's pretty easy for us to do. We like to make. Well, I don't I don't I don't always make the Office Space references because it's been so long since that movie came out. But it was on again this morning. I don't like Kung Fu, but I'll, I'll watch it in that movie. So, uh, But we'll actually talk a little bit about baseball on today's podcast. We have several uh, email questions backed up to us at podcast at baseballmarket.com. We're going to shoot through those today so we, that are. we can – and we again, as always, you know, send your questions in. We love questions. I know sometimes there are weeks that we don't get around to answering them, but that's right. Podcast at baseballamerica dot com. We do look at them all, and we answer some like we do today. And you also can follow us at Twitter. Baseball America is on Twitter. It's twitter dot com backslash baseballamerica. And last I checked, we were over three hundred followers, but we're we're early oh, yet to oh, Twitter. Yes, we're so follow us on Twitter, and uh, you can get updates, and you'll know. Uh, when the latest uh, Baseball America podcast was just uploaded, and you need to go download it at your iTunes or come to baseballamerica.com to download that, and we'll be uh, we'll have lots of updates. And you've already seen lots of updates on our draft blog this week. Been a very busy week for us draft blog wise, and a very busy week prospect blog wise because JJ, uh, we've redone our dra- our daily dish coverage this year, and boy, I'm, I'm, I think we're all pretty happy with the way the results well, are going. One of the things I will throw out though is also if you want, you know, in addition to questions. Suggestions or suggestions or what you think, you know. Hey, we we do care about what y'all our our readers, you know, think about. We've retooled the daily dish this year to where it's less who went three for four last night and more. Hey, we talked to this scout who saw this game, or we talked to this pitching coach who broke down their pitching staff. We think that's more what you know what you our readers want. We think that is, but you know, hey, we want to know. You know, J.J. Cooper at Baseball America, send me an email. I would gladly read it. I'll gladly respond and, and let you know, you know, and if you have suggestions for tweaks, absolutely. Or send you, it our way. Or, of course, you can comment on the Prospects blog. Those comments are not just for subscribers right. only, are they? They're, they're, no, they're, they're, they are available. If you if you read our Prospects blog, you can comment on our Prospects and blog. And we, uh, we had some issues with the comments last year. The comments are, are back this year, so so we can join the discussion there. J.J., this, uh, this past Friday was our second uh, prospect hot sheet. We've had two so far this year, and a couple of big names who have already been at the top of the prospect hot sheet. First, Buster Posey was topped the He's first a one. Good size name. I mean, uh, the largest signing bonus in the, the draft of a player who signed with the team that drafted him. And then this although, week, although Scott Boris, you know, and, and Pedro Alvarez were working everything they could to try to, you know. Yeah, I'm not calling that a, a bonus though. I'm not calling that that bonus bigger than Buster's. And then uh, this week, Mike Stan, who's quite a bit bigger. Uh, than uh, than Buster Posey, and, and has bigger power. It sounds like than pretty much anybody in the minor leagues. Tops the prospect right. hot sheet. Has there been anybody anybody who's been a big surprise though in the first two weeks on the hot sheet for you? Anybody who kind of is 
No one's kind of come out of nowhere yet. Not, not nowhere yet. We're I guess Jason Knapp actually is pretty surprising. I mean, he was a supplemental first-rounder last year. He, but it's surprising for him to be off to this kind of start in full-season ball. Realistically, I mean, you know, I do the bapper every weekday, which – well, we'll get a lot of, you know, this is plug day at uh, the podcast. Day. But I'm plug one, America, he's plug two. The Baseball America Prospect Report. Uh, if you don't get it, it's, you know, I, I would suggest subscribing to it if you love prospects because every weekday morning, usually before 8 a.m., you'll have an email in your inbox that says, here's what prospects had a good nights last night. And if and you've had prospect, if you've had the BAPR in the past, because this product's been around for like six years now for us, um, and different people have done it over the years. I think this year is the best year of the BAPR because we're really it's we're using above, computer technology that's in right. a way it's, that we never have just, before. It's it's uh, I'm I'm impressed. I think the BAPR has come a long way. But uh, this so year. you'll be in your but with that. So watching, you know, I, I read the the line scores for everyone every day, and I would say I, I think that Nap's last outing was the most dominant performance by any pitcher we've had in you know in any minor league prospect I should say. Yeah, seven shutout innings, one hit, fourteen strikeouts for a guy who some people thought needed to go be a reliever almost instantly uh, out of high school. So uh, I I, I, said, I said it last year. I, I'll say it again now. I loved the Phillies two thousand eight draft. Uh Jim Callis not always agreeing with me. I think Jim gets a little hung up on Anthony Hewitt. And Anthony Hewitt with the first pick of that draft could be a bust. He yeah. could—I don't know but if he's gonna be a Ryan Leaf bust, but he could be a bust. And yeah, they did have extra picks, and a lot of teams that have extra picks look pretty good on draft day. But, but I but, love but what, what they though, did with their draft. When you have extra picks, that allows you to take an Anthony Hewitt. Correct. You can't take Anthony Hewitt if you have a first round pick. And oh, by the way, we lost our second round pick and our third round pick and our fourth round pick because we signed free agents. You can't do that because exactly all of a sudden right. then you're putting your draft on Anthony Hewitt. The Phillies aren't putting their draft on Anthony Hewitt. Anthony Hewitt is, heck, he wasn't even your number one prospect out of that draft in this year. He's like the third or fourth guy I think I ranked. And barely, I, he was behind Knapp and he was behind Zach Collier, uh, just in that, just in this year's top third. He was barely ahead of a, uh, you know, uh, I forget what Ram Vance Worley was picked in, maybe the third round, and then he was barely ahead of Mike Stutes, who was I think a twelfth round pick or seventeenth, so, ninth. But what, he was but what that late. says is, is that there were multiple guys in that draft who stand out as okay, you know, this guy could end up being the cornerstone of this draft. Right, and then the other thing is they have. I, I think they're going to have several guys who contribute. And again, I think the pitching depth in that draft was the key. Knapp is a high school arm. With uh, there was some wide range of opinion on him in the draft, but then they also got. Uh, Vance Worley, who's a workhorse and who's already in, he started the year at Double A Reading, and they got Mike Stutes, who also again started the year at Double A Reading, and both those guys have made five outings. They're three and zero between them, and Stutes picked up right where he left off last year. He's not quite dominating like he did at Lakewood, but he's got ten strikeouts in eleven innings, and he's won both the starts. So, uh, I think the Phillies a- have really encouraging early returns from their 2008 draft, and they they should be. They spent six point seven million dollars in bonuses. They should be getting good returns, but they are. But you know what? They spent that six. 6.7, we were just talking about Buster Posey. Buster Posey. 6.2 by himself. 6.7 here, and you're spreading the risk. You know, Absolutely. You're diversifying. You're Absolutely. Uh, and uh, and I, like I said, I, I really I like the, the Phillies draft from from the start last year, but I really liked it better when you saw some of the way their, some of their college pitchers really uh, performed last year. It's a Baseball America podcast. He's J.J. Cooper. I'm John Manuel. J.J., Mike Stanton, it's easy to call him a personal cheese ball. Uh because everybody, everybody likes him. Everybody likes him. I wish I'd had the guts to put him. My first instinct was to rank him third in my personal top 50. I wound up dropping him down to 10 because of the historic 
uh, levels of his lack of contact at low A. But it really sounds like this guy's power, if you could go past 80, would be past 80. That's what it's, we, like, we, it's like 11. His power goes to 11. Well, we are dropping the uh, the 80s and 90s references hard and heavy here. Yeah, we I'm are. Right we are. Because I love them. But, uh, but, no, I talked to a scout. We'll have a scout's view on Mike Stanton coming up uh, early next week. I just have to find the time to write it. That's, that's right. That's, I've had it for three days now, and I just haven't had the time to write it. Um, but, uh, but asking that scout, I was like, you know, I mean, I hesitate. I very rarely, if I'm not talking about speed, I've asked guys in the past, like a scout, well, so is he an 80 on this? And you'll get a scout, you know, especially if it's an old school scout, and yeah. he'll kind of laugh yeah. a little bit. You know, it's like, you don't put 80s on, you know. Like, you'll put it on speed because speed is... Quantifiable. Yeah. He ran a 3.8 from the left side. Yep. That's, yep. you know, okay, he's an 80. Yeah. But or you'll get you get a lot of seventies or big numbers on throwing arms too, right? But because it's the least important really tool, right? But when you talk about the hitting tool, the power tool, you know, or or when you talk about pitches, you know, you know, when you're talking about pitcher, it's like you talk about his curveball, right? Fastball, right. You never, you know, I almost hesitate to ask it because the reality is is that usually what your answer is going to be is no, it's great, yeah, but it's a seventy, right? You know, I mean, if John Smoltz slider is an eighty. You know, then this is not that good. Yeah, I remember uh, the Giants talking about Brad Hennessy's slider being a 70 slider, and I was like, wow, 70 slider? Is it really a 70 slider? And I don't think it ended up being a 70 slider, but he did have a couple of cancerous tumors in his back that might have had something to do with that. But he did ride that slider to the big leagues. But So I asked, I said, though, what I did, I was like, the way you talk about it, I mean, are we talking about 80 power? And he laughed, which uh, you know, but he laughed in a different way, which was, you know, He's like, 80? You might have to get that 100. You know, he's like, I mean, that, he said, when they invented 80 power, Mike Stanton is who they invented 80 power for. I mean, that's wow. what he was talking about. It's just, he said, when he connects with the ball, and he connects with some regularity. I know that he strikes out a lot, but he also, you know, we're, we're talking, the one thing I'll be interested to see, and I know the strikeouts need to improve as he goes up the levels, but he also shows some aptitude for improvement on, on those right. kind of things. And he's quite the athlete. Too. Right, which at when you hear about you know scouts talk about athleticism, I know that some people listening to this are going to immediately kind of default to thinking of because I think of them sometimes the football player who signed you right. know and then spends five years in low A and never you know makes any adjustments to hit. And yeah. All. But the reason scouts talk about athleticism is is that if you're an athlete, I'm not an athlete. If you show me how to do something, I'm the something, furthest thing from an athlete. If you show me how to do something, you know. I can't replicate it right away because you know I don't have that kind of body control. Correct. Not comparing myself to Mike Stanton anyway. But if you talk about an athlete in baseball terms, especially you hear a lot of pitchers, when you talk about an athlete, what you're talking about is is that an athlete has that body control where you can show them something and they immediately can lock it in. Yep. Whereas if you lack that athleticism, I mean, we're not just talking about are you, can you run fast or not. It's that body that body awareness to where if you show a non-athlete that. You could say, okay, we're going to change your swing a little bit, and they can't make that adjustment because they don't have that same awareness. You know, it doesn't just lock in. Right, right, exactly. Now, it's a big difference, and that's Casey Kelly at five. And here's another guy who actually was a football guy, yeah. signed to a SEC school to play quarterback at Tennessee. Uh, now, he's flipped places, essentially, with Mike Rozier. And what I mean by this is Mike Rozier signed with the Red Sox in 04 out of a Georgia high school uh, they just released him this spring. Now Mike Rozier is going to go play for Lane Kiffin at Tennessee as a 23-year-old. 
Meanwhile, Casey Kelly put off football, coming to baseball, still can't decide. Baseball wants to play shortstop. The Red Sox want him to pitch. He's off to such a good start. This is really like the perfect plan for the Red Sox. He's pitching so well at Low A Greenville. Uh, that, that maybe he will because he's, he's always wanted. It seems like to be more of a position player. But yeah. You know what? If you start your, you know, if you have a zero ERA for April, that might help convince you that you know maybe this pitching thing will get me to the big leagues. My favorite thing I think about the hot sheet this week is also that former teammates at South Carolina, Reese Havens and Lonnie Chisenhall, back to back at seven and eight. Uh, hey, Sorry, Justin Smoke, we couldn't get you on this. Yeah, exactly. And where's Phil Disher? I yeah. mean, come on. Where's uh, Travis Jones? Where's uh, Scott Wingo? Oh, wait a minute, Scott Wingo's still in South Carolina, and he's hitting about 180. So, never mind on Scott Wingo. But, but we should go get into our. Uh, we've already gone a little while. We should get to our questions at the Baseball America email inbox. It's not sponsored by anyone. Podcast at baseballamerica.com. Baseball America. That's right, exactly. Sponsored by the Baseball America Prospect Handbook. Um, let's get to uh, first uh, Brian's questions. He, send in, he sends in quite a bit. Uh, he sends in a lot of questions. And he has two. One of them we really like because JJ and I geeked on the World Baseball Classic all month last month. As y'all are aware, if you listen, regular listeners to the podcast. Talk about personal cheese ball. Uh, regarding the Japanese and Korean styles of baseball being more exciting than the American game, do you consider the Angels as playing a similar style to the WBC finalists? Wouldn't that be somewhat limiting to the kinds of players and prospects that would make the majors? And isn't it more interesting to have different kinds of teams playing against each other? All thought-provoking questions from Brian, and applicable right now, JJ, because we have Brandon Wood, who is like an American player, trying to play in this Asian-style game, well, if you want to take it that far. I, we both agree. I think the Angels are probably the clo- you know, if you were thinking of Major League team closest to Asian-style. They almost play like, they play, it's almost like a Big West team. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I would say that they play, I mean, it's, it's different, and I don't think it's limiting. Like, I don't think that the Angels go out and say, hey, you know, this is... We're we're looking for the contact hitter who right. advances runners, and you know entirely. I think that that's not just their entire approach. Yeah, they're not that single-minded. But it, you know, they do emphasize defense more, I think, than other teams do. And they emphasize making contact more they than other teams do. Putting pressure on the defense. They emphasize so. pressure on the defense. They emphasize aggressive base running. Um, I made a joke. Uh, I was actually talking to uh, a former uh, a former member of the Angels organization. We'll put it that way. And I was making a joke. Uh, it was a draft call. I was making a joke about a player and said, oh, he's, Mickey, "Mickey Hatcher must be the hitting coach there. He's he's at twenty four to two strikeout to walk ratio." And he laughed. They said, "Oh, you're dead on. Um, this kid's very very aggressive." So there is an angel way for sure. And Brandon Wood, who was a first round pick of the Angels almost six years ago now, back in '03. <laughs> Uh, so he's not that old, but he's getting to be 24 now. He sure seems old to me because I I mean, know. It, it, it seems like that he's been a prospect for the – I mean, I've been at Baseball Arc seven years, and he's been a prospect in the minors for it. Sure Almost your like entire the tenure. entire time I've been here. It's, uh, it's really unbelievable, and yet they still won't give him a shot, JJ. Uh, what do you think it's going to take for him? Do you think he'll ever get a shot I think his in, shot Los, in, in Los Angeles? I, I think, think it will too. I, I just think – I think that there are guys, I mean, there are definitely guys who a change of scenery would be nice. At this point, it's hard to believe that a change of scenery wouldn't be nice for Brandon Wood because whether if you've determined that he doesn't fit what you're looking for, then it's time to move on. And if you, you know, I mean, if you determine, hey, we do think so, then he should have been, you know, up by now because he's not, I, I don't feel like. He's the, up now, but he hasn't right, played. Right, no, I'm saying he's up, but up, up and sitting on the bench is not what I'm talking about. Right. I mean, he, you know, especially he's not a guy 
he doesn't fit. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I feel very confident he's not one of those guys who fits in a, okay, we're going to give him three at-bats every fifth day. Right, that's not His him. swing is not it's one of those. too long for that. Right. It's not one of those that he can fall out of bed, you know, Lenny Harris style, you know, he get a hit and then sit back down for the next, you know, two days. I love Rob Quinlan, but I got to imagine Brandon Wood greater than Rob Quinlan. But when you think? But, and especially the thing about it is, is that I don't think at this point, sending him even to AAA, I know that he still has holes in his game. There's no doubt about that. But sending him to AAA, he's not developing at AAA because that's where he's, you know, yeah, he's, he's lived. Exactly. I mean, he, you know, he, he's built a house. In, it's his third year in Salt Lake City. And yeah, to me, uh, you know, I would imagine, I, you know, I don't, this is not what I do, so I don't know. But I would imagine there are a lot of teams that have sniffed around the Angels. If there's a major league team that has any kind of triple, like, well, the Yankees and Red Sox both spring to mind as teams that have extra major league pitching, especially at the AAA level, and with the desperation the Angels have shown, and that is personified by Shane Lauks being in their big league rotation, and with the tragedy that's befallen them in the Nick Aidenhart situation, they need pitching. And, I, you know, to me, Brandon Wood, for a big league starter, uh, makes sense. Uh, so I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud, teams like that or like the Twins. You know, the Twins have a lot of AAA pitching that might be major league ready. Uh, I would imagine. But how do you approach that? Hey, to, you know, that would be have to be delicate because of the Aiden Hart situation. And also, I don't think the Angels are in any rush to get rid of Brandon Wood. Well, I think that really is one of the things that comes down to is is that while it's bad for Brandon Wood, if you're the Angels. You know, think of him as this fire extinguisher encased in glass. That's right. And if there ever is an injury and it's like, well, we need a third baseman, you know, give an example. The Yankees, A Rock goes down yeah. and it's like, okay, well, we got Cody Ransom. In the Angels' case, it's like, hey, we've got this guy who has, you know, 30 home run power potential. That's actually what I was actually just thinking is like, uh, you know, did the Yankees ever say, hey, you know, we're a little tired of Phil Hughes? Uh, how about will you take Phil Hughes and Kiyagawa's? awful contract, and we'll take Gary Matthews' awful contract and Brandon Wood. I mean, do these kind of conversations happen? If I were the Yankees, with their AAA rotation they have at Scranton, which is the best AAA rotation in the minor leagues, and and you have, and you're rolling Cody Ransom out there every day, and you're looking for a future replacement for Derek Jeter? I don't know. Maybe but, I'd, but, maybe but I'd but do that. The, but here's the thing with the Yankees. I'd at least inquire. I'll, I'll throw it in with the Yankees, and we need to move on to another question. Yeah. But right now, are they looking to trade pitching because – the reality is as good as that Scranton rotation is. Oh, well, you still have extra pieces, though. If you trade, you know, key, no, I'm, I'm not saying you don't have extra pieces, but I'm saying that, like, but you don't know, you necessarily know which one of those pieces is going to be the piece that fits. That's a great question, and the thing is, could you interest the Angels yeah. in Kiyagawa and say Ian Kennedy, who clearly not? You know, can you keep Phil Hughes and just trade some of the quote unquote just the depth, those kind of depth guys? Uh, who who knows? But the. That's the kind, to me. That's where Brandon Wood comes in, especially if Lackey Escobar. I'm forgetting the third injured starter. Uh, Lackey Escobar, I'm the, the, thir- the third tenor uh, for for the Angels has a hard time coming back from these injuries. Uh, I think they have to move, and I think Brandon Wood's the the centerpiece of any kind of deal they might make. Question number two. Question number two from Michael in Seattle. Uh, as spring training came to a close, the Baltimore Sun did an expose of the Orioles minor league training facility. Uh, I was wondering what the word around baseball was and how the situation would be resolved. How significant of a hindrance is this 
specifically for a, an organization that really can't afford any, Michael in Seattle. And, Michael, I did actually read that article. I actually happened to be in Baltimore the weekend that ran um, visiting family, and it was depressing. Uh, I'd be depressed if I were an, a, an Orioles minor leaguer to have to go to Sarasota. The good news is uh, they do seem to be actively looking at three or four other sites. The bad news is one of them was Vera Beach, and that's been crossed off their list. Minor League Baseball is going to take over Vera Be- Beach. And as a backup, they've still signed a two-year extension in Sarasota, which was so bad that the Red Sox and I believe the Twins were the other organization that refused to send their minor leaguers to play the Orioles in Sarasota. And Boston went so far as to pay for the bus fare for the Orioles to bus their prospects to Boston's facility in Fort Myers to play there rather than be in Sarasota. So it was pretty bad. Just another example, I think, of you know the Orioles. They just cut a lot of corners they have in the last 10 to 12 years of Peter Angelos's uh, reign as owner. And while they're making a lot of good moves in the major leagues, uh, other part that came up in this uh, recently, J.J., was just how bad the Orioles have been at kind of their placeholders in the Billies. They've already had to call up Brad Bergeson from AAA. They got very fortunate last night. Adam Eaton out of nowhere threw the heck out of the ball and pitched deep into the game for them in a big league game. That really helped. But Alfredo Simon, that experiment's already over. We could have told him how badly that was going to go. Well, that went bad. I'll say that he pitched actually better than expected, just got hurt very quickly. Yeah, but I'm... Alfredo Simon. I mean, yeah, you can't bank on that joker. But uh, what do you think this says? Does this Is this a bigger picture story for, for Baltimore? Do you still think the Orioles are still headed in the right direction? Maybe this is kind of like a, one last example of the stupidity the organization is leaving behind. I think they have enough pitching in that organization that long-term they are headed in the right direction. I do think at the same time, though, this is something that a good agent, Yeah. a good agent. Now, I'm not saying there aren't agents out there who will miss this, but a good agent knows notices this and this does play a factor. Like great point. If you are, if you're a minor league free agent, you're a minor example. league free agent. Which, admittedly, those you know, we're not talking about. You know, minor league free agents are really the guy who turns your franchise around. But as Matt Eddy, a feature that was on our website uh, a couple of weeks ago, pointed out, there are quality big leaguers who are minor league, you know, signed as minor league free agents. Absolutely. If I'm a minor league free agent, no way. Yeah. If like, you were, if you were Carlos Pena a couple of years ago. And no your way. choice was between Tampa and Baltimore, and hey, you know, t- at the time Baltimore just had Kevin Millar, and you're having to go to spring camp. And, and spring camp is a, it's now, admittedly Peter, the, the those, Ray those facilities. Guys, I, I will point out. I want to say something. Those guys, the big league facilities for them also are bad below par. There's two big reasons this because the thing about it is it's if you're a minor league free agent like that, you're going to be in big league camp for almost the entire spring training, right? But, but even then, if you get hurt and you're split, that's the big you get hurt like Chris uh, Ray did. He's rehabbing in Sarasota. His first day there, he gets his iPod stolen out of his uh, locker. Uh, also, the weight benches are under a tarp. That's right, yeah, in the parking lot. It's an outdoor uh, weight room. Which, by the way, an, out- an outdoor weight room in Florida. Yeah, that sounds fun. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, please wipe off your uh, bench, you know, your weight bench after you get up because there's, it's going to be leaving a lot of sweat on. There's there. something neat about old school uh, minor league spring training facilities. That kind of especially the big league spring training. There's something that's been lost. I think when you, especially with the Dodgers leaving Vero, you know, the the newer facilities, you're not as close to the action as you, you used pay to a be. lot more to go. You there. Pay more to go, yada yada. But uh, the Orioles are a little bit uh, that retro thing's not working as well for the <laughs> Orioles. Uh, let's finish up the Baseball America three. podcast by taking one last question from Joe LaCates in Easton, Maryland. Joe loves the podcast. He's one that really asked about uh, Justin Upton, JJ. He's asking about um, you know, the rumors that he might get demoted. Uh, he's gotten off to another slow start, still not living up to his potential. 
what's what do you think? What's your take on uh, thirty seconds on Justin Upton? The the funny thing is is that I, I immediately think of BJ Upton, and I Great think point. well, you know, the Rays were patient with BJ Upton, and that paid off for him. You know, you could maybe say they should have moved him, you know, quicker defensively to an easier position defensively. But, but you look at it, and it's like they were patient, and it paid off. With Justin Upton, you know, I understand where the Diamondbacks are in a point now where you can't just say, okay, well, we're going to let him work his way through this for the next 150 at bats. I mean, if it and it's rough, you wonder at some point will it get to his, you know, get, would it get in his head a little bit? You right. Know? I mean, I could see where even a demotion may at some point, you know. I just think back. I mean, there are guys who start over. and I mean, I don't think you need to send them to low A if you had to demote them or anything, but there are guys who you send them back, and that actually ends up helping out. And the thing that kills you if you're a Diamondbacks fan is one of the reasons they brought up and up in 2007 is that Carlos Quentin struggled so much for that team. And if they'd been a little more patient with Carlos They could have been. You know, I know that there were injuries involved with Quentin in Arizona as well. But they could have been more patient with Quentin. That trade, obviously, one they wish they had back. Yeah, I think so. And uh, and then uh, then you maybe had Upton on a slower development line, and maybe Justin Upton could hit the ground running a little bit more. Because you hate which when you bring up a guy like that, you want to be up in the major leagues to stay. But uh, that I that, can understand that happened why with BJ. And when BJ came back to the, to the minor leagues, boy, you know. It was a little sour. Now, maybe I guess what I would say if I was the Diamondbacks is if you do send Justin up and down to the minor leagues, don't so, have Elijah Dukes and Delman Young around. You know, I would also say if you send him down, send him to Double A. Yeah, that's not a bad idea either. Send him to Double A because you're not going to have he's not going to be on a team where everyone feels like Triple A teams normally. Everyone feels like they should be in the big leagues. Yeah, you don't want to have uh, bitter beer face guys around uh, around Justin Upton, who's I believe is uh, legal to drink now. So Justin's 21. So I don't think his career arc is necessarily imperiled yet, but I do wonder, they clearly brought him up before he was really ready for that full season grind, and uh, it might not hurt to send him down. I, I don't think it would be terrible, but I'm not in that clubhouse, I'm not in that front office, I don't really know any of the nuances. I'm glad I don't have to from make a, that decision. From afar, it seems like it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Uh, it's the Baseball America podcast, we're wrapping up the show, JJ, we did want to talk about personal cheese balls, uh, which is just really like the a player that you really like a lot and you can't really explain why. Um, so I, that, that rules out players like, say, Jake Eliopoulos, the Canadian left-hander who's also Greek. Uh, I can't that, – that's easily explained. Uh, whereas Stephen Fife for me is a personal cheese ball. I just liked kind of uncovering him in the draft last year. And he's not even on a full-season roster with the uh, Red Sox. I couldn't find out why today. I didn't really dig that hard on it. But like Cam Michalayo, and I, I swear I'm not from Utah, and I don't have anything uh, really special for Utah, but – Cam McAlai is my other guy, another uh, you know Utah draft find. Although uh, Cam's from Utah Valley State, as opposed to which is now just Utah Valley, as opposed to University of Utah. But uh, much to my dismay, Cam did not make the big league uh, bullpen for the Orioles. But he's pitching in Norfolk. Uh, did get a chance to see him. In fact, I think I'm doing the Bulls Norfolk game next next weekend here in Durham. Uh, on color, as a color analyst, so hopefully we'll get me and Cam uh, back together again. But who are some of your personal cheese balls, and and how are they doing this year? Well, and again, that the, the logical reasons like Justin Christian's a personal cheese ball, oh, yeah. but he's not because you know I, he's an indie you, ball guy. You signed him basically, uh, but <laughs> my two that just jump out to me are Chris Heisey, who's in the Reds organization. Who I I just remember last year when making calls or midway through the season for the uh, best tools in the. Uh, 
uh, Florida State League, his name started popping up, and I'm thinking Chris Heisey's name's popping up. I got I talked to people before the year before in the Reds organization who said, you know, this guy's a white guy worth keeping an eye on. I mean, he does a lot of things well. Now he's tearing the ball up. You know, he's tearing up the cover off the ball in Double A. Yeah, he's having a great year. Plays all three. You know, he can play anywhere in the outfield. He's a good defensive center fielder. He's a 55 runner, but a 55 runner who knows how to steal bases. He's six always for stole. Six this year already. He's he, last year he was I think stole at an 85 percent clip for the season. I mean, he just does so many things well that you look at it and you add it up and you go, okay, I know he's a little old. You know, he's not. Yeah, he's 24. But that being said, this guy's going to be a big leaguer, and this guy's going to be a big leaguer as a I think it was a 19th round pick if I remember, 17th or 19th round. I mean, that's a. That's going to be a that's now, a nice little now the Messiah Pennsylvania D two or D three do you know off the top of two if I remember correctly but. that that league is a sleeper league for prospects you got Mike McCardle who's in the Twin Systems out of that league uh, if you remember uh, Ryan Vogel's song was out of that league it was like a fifth or sixth runner out of Cutstown that's a nice little league I, if I remember correctly I think Philadelphia uh, Textile whatever that college is called pretty sure that's D two in that level. Bob File, who had one good big league season for the Blue Jays before he got hurt, he was out of that league. So, if you're looking for D two league as like a little sleeper league, the Pennsylvania, I think it's the PSIAC, Pennsylvania Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, is a kind of a neat little league. And then I the, have little, it's a personal cheese ball D two league. And then the uh, <laughs> the other one for me is is Tim Collins, who is Tim you know the the little lefty. You always hear the little lefty. He is the little lefty, but the little lefty. Uh, the, in the little Blue lefty Jays, that could in the Blue Jays organization. He's in High A uh, Dunedin this year and has been just as dominant in Dunedin. Twenty strikeouts in eleven innings, as he was last year in uh, in Low A for them. And his story. I mean, this is an undrafted free agent. I, I'm a fan. I'm always a fan. I love looking for, you know, the reliever. The the uh, the reliever who piles up strikeouts who comes out of nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. You and, are. That's you. Then and Tim Collins fits that perfectly. Undrafted free agent who, if the story, if I remember correctly, is JP Ricciardi's father saw him, mentioned with JP. JP went out and saw him, signed him. You know, the GM signing a guy that doesn't happen very often. It right? does this not. Is, this is not 1935 uh, anymore. And the thing about it is, is he is a very short left-hander, but he's not. A thumber. He's not a guy who just sits there, and throws you know a screwball or a palm ball, and and throws it up there at at eighty you know miles an hour. He actually his fastball is not going to blow you away, but but it's not a soft toss. He's, he's not, not a soft exactly toss. He's either. ninety miles an hour, and you know 89, 90 miles an hour. And I still can't get a good answer on exactly what it is that you know. It's not like he has a pitch, but man, he piles up strikeouts. Well, big test for him will be next year, you know, or late this year. He gets to Double A. We'll see if he manages to to maintain that, you know. That dominance as he gets to double A because that's the big test for for guys who do that in, in the low major. But he is a guy I like keeping an eye on. Well, my my other uh, cheese ball to throw out there is James Bearsford, the Australian uh, middle infielder in the Twin System, who prompted me to live blog at like 11:55 at night uh, during the World Baseball Classic when Best he makeup. when he singled off uh, Albert uh, Albertin Chapman. Uh, I'm I'll confuse about Aroldis Albertine Chapman's first name, but. Uh, Barry's projection on the disabled list at uh, low class A Beloit uh, with a shoulder tendonitis, it looks like. But uh, so another casualty of the World Baseball Classic. That, that means that probably his arm fell, his shoulder fell off because uh, he's a makeup guy, if I remember right from you. He is. About. He's the guy that uh, one of the Twins officials said that it was the best makeup guy ever. So top ten makeup guys I've ever scouted, I think, is the way he put it. So a uh, guy who needs some physicality, uh, but could become. Uh, 
I, I think that you know if he could get healthy this year, this will be his breakout year. You show you're a left-handed 19-year-old Australian, and you show you can handle uh, Chapman's gas from the same side. Yeah. Lefty, you can handle anybody. 97 mile an hour heat. So you can handle anybody if you can do that. So uh, that's a guy who's got a shot and has a shot to stay in the middle infield, and uh, and the makeup is there. So we'll see if James Beresford can just get healthy and, and get on the field. But the Twins, uh, they take the long view. I mean, Aaron Hicks, their first-round pick from last year, is not even on a full-season roster yet. So they'll take the long view with James Beresford as well. Uh, they don't take the long view with uh, some pitchers, see uh, Alexander Smith. Uh, but usually they, t- they take the long view with guys. So uh, I'm confident that James Beresford will get to, will get his time as long as uh, – he can get healthy, and uh, the more he sees Albert Chapman, or Robert Chapman, Chapman, I keep saying his name wrong. I'm so confused. As long as he sees Chapman more often in international competition, the better, because uh, that's good for your confidence when you can take 99 miles an hour and, and hit it for a double. JJ, any other cheese balls you want to mention before we sign off for this week? Well, my other one is I'm writing a story. He's not even in affiliated ball yet, but uh, um, I'm, writing, <laughs> I'm writing the Indy PD right Hess. now. And Isaac Hess, uh, lefty, uh, 89, 90, uh, Monar lefty. Out of Windy City, now he's going to be in Victoria in the Golden Baseball League this year. But, you know, this will be coming out on the, on the, yeah, in the, on the web. This and, is an indie and, ball story you don't want to miss. I'm not going to, you know, it's a web story and then we'll, you know, be in the magazine also. But um, but he's a guy, he's had multiple major league scouts tell him, hey, you have big league stuff. I think that your stuff's better than guys in the big leagues right now. You know, not, you know, as a, as a reliever, right. but... And he can't get signed. And I'll leave it at that. We'll have the the story story, later on. For the story of why, I'll check BaseballAmerica.com next week. But uh, for J.J. Cooper, I'm John Manuel. Join us again on Monday when Aaron Fitt and I break down the top 25 in our college podcast. So until then, so long, everybody.